You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome again. And for those of you watching online, it is uh, great to have you with us. So we're starting a three-week series. You may think, gosh, three weeks on vision. Are you Are you joking? Uh, But you know, there is so much on our hearts. We want to just take our time working through it. So as Josh alluded to, our mornings uh, are going to be laying things out, and in the evenings we'll be doing something a little bit different. Like tonight, Josh and I are just going to be having a conversation around the table about a few of the things that we talked about this morning. Um, Today, I just want to really just share my heart. That's what I want to do this morning. And, uh, and talk a bit about the why of the vision. Next week is more of the, the how of the vision. How is the vision going to be worked out in the next year? And we're going to be telling stories and we're going to look at some practical things. And then week three, uh, we're going to be uh, introducing some new people. We're going to be giving you some updates. We're going to be talking about some changes in the life of the church and with leaders and various other things. So I really want to encourage you for the next few weeks to, to lean in, to encourage folks to come along and really hear our hearts uh, for this next year. Now, if I was to get a bunch of you to come up to the stage, uh, blindfold you, uh, which you think that's a weird church, and then spin you around and ask all of you to point north, you would all, of course, point in different directions. And the goal of these next few weeks is for us to be pointing in the same direction, for all of us to be pointing uh, north and see where we are going. God said to Habakkuk in the Old Testament, make the vision plain so that people can hear it and they can run with it. And so again, we want to spend a few weeks because we want to make the vision so plain to us so that we can hear it, we can see it, we can sense it, God is speaking to us, and that we can all run with it. And it talks about in Proverbs, one of my favorite verses says this, without vision, people perish. Or another translation is, without vision, people cast off restraint. In other words, vision is the very thing that keeps you on the straight and narrow. Vision is the very thing that keeps you focused. Vision is the very thing that makes you get up in the morning. It fuels purpose in your life. And the reason I think that is so, so important, particularly in our cultural moment, is that I can't remember a time where we've lived in times like these, which is so chaotic and uncertain that it is so easy to lose vision. It's, it's so easy to kind of go to the left and to go to the right and not stay focused on what God is saying to you as individuals and to us as a church community. It's kind of like motion sickness. You don't know whether you're to remain stationary or to keep moving. And it's been like that for the last few years, hasn't it? Because we've had many seismic changes in our culture, which has affected things globally, is that it's really, really, really easy to lose a sense of calling and purpose, and vision. Like, why, why are we even here? And I was just thinking about a bunch of things. We had the upheaval from Brexit. We had the murder of George Floyd. Uh, we've had 
and still have COVID. Uh, we have political issues and mistrust in our institutions. We, of course, have the current issue with the Ukraine and Russia and the threat of who knows what coming in the future. And of course, we've had all of us. I don't think any of us are exempt from our own personal journeys of trauma, of grief, of difficulty. Even the church, corporately, God is doing amazing things, but this has been a tough few years for us. It really has. We've gone through difficult moments of uh, false accusation, of persecution, of, as that last song we worship to, um, crushing, real crushing and breaking in us, uh, in our church as a community. So, so many causes, so many threats, so much uncertainty and chaos, it's really easy for vision to be lost. And there's, there's no textbook that you can kind of lift off the shelf in times like these except for, I believe, the Bible. The Bible has all the answers to navigate where we are and where we are going. I was reflecting on this, is that if we spend hours on end watching the, the news outlets and being on social media and hardly any time in God's word, we are going to experience that motion sickness like never before. It's really important that we stay anchored, that we stay centered on truth and what is God's word to us in the chaos of today. And I was reflecting on that famous passage in Matthew 24. And let me just preface this because this is like an end times passage. <laughs> let me just preface this with I'm not connecting anything of what we're seeing right now with end times theology. Okay, just don't send me any emails about that. Uh, I, I don't know enough. Um, and, and Jesus said, No one will know the day, the time, the moment he will return. Um, the stuff that we're experiencing has been happening for thousands of years. None of it is, is new, though it may feel new to us. But I know this, we're a lot closer today to the return of Christ than we were yesterday. And it's very clear as we read the Bible of the encouragements and the exhortations that Jesus gives us. And he talks about this in Matthew 24, verse 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And if we read this passage in the light of where we are today with things like war and COVID and stuff, even though these things have been going on around the world, and just look at what's happening in Yemen at the moment. It's horrific, absolutely horrific. But maybe we have a new perspective. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. I've never heard that put in an altar call before in terms of giving your life to Jesus. At that time, many will turn away from the faith, will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So we have multiple crises in the world right now. The world is changing at extraordinary levels in terms of morality. Uh, the redefinition of certain things. Leaders 
are falling left, right, and center. I think in America, the dropout rate for pastors during COVID is 40%. And a lot of pastors that I meet with are really, really struggling. Just um, I was to, If I was to name the denomination, you would know it. But just this weekend, a very, very influential denomination uh, that affects the whole global church, their pastor has had uh, significant moral failure. And it is all the time, every single day. And so there's a trust issue. We need leaders in times of change, in times of uncertainty. God has always raised up leaders in the Bible. And yet there's a trust issue in the church. And in the midst of all this, if you read that passage, God just simply says this, do not be alarmed. So Christians out of everyone should not be alarmed at what's going on right now in our world. It says to stand firm. To stand firm. And I believe that one of the, the major things that has happened in the last few years is there's been a major sifting in the church. A major shaking. Everything we've ever trusted on, depended on, has been shaken to the core. Every false idol has come to the surface of what do we really have our allegiance and dependence and worship to. And so there has been a sifting and a shaking, and therefore, with the increase of wickedness, the love of many has grown cold, and sadly, many have fallen away from the faith. What he says is, do not be alarmed. Thank you, Jesus. Stand firm. Okay, I get it. And then focus. As Dennis said, focus on the gospel of the kingdom. That should be our focus. Not, do not be alarmed. Do not allow your love for the Lord to grow cold and stand firm and let your focus and vision be in the preaching of the gospel of the kingdom to the nations of the world. And if we could just focus on that, then it's amazing where it will take us because there is no doubt about it, there is a fight, there is a contest, there is a battle for all of our vision right now because it is so easy. It is so easy and trust me, I know because I had that during my sabbatical and I'll be talking about this much more in May, but where, and I, I love that old vineyard song which says, I've been thinking about it this week, do not let your vision die, light the fire again. Where I, I lost vision. I lost vision. Then there was a sense of hopelessness, disillusionment, disappointment, felt disheartened, distracted. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe some of you feel like that today. You just feel disheartened and disillusioned and you have no sense of vision. What is the call of God for my life? And it's so easy to do because of the competing headlines of our world's narratives right now with the chaos that we see and hear of. And our church's vision is around this idea of home. And I want to re-energize us as a church into this vision, but we know we have many, many people joining us who may not know, but this is our vision, the idea of home. I've just got a little graph to show you. I thought I'd introduce some graphs, which is way out of my comfort zone, which is why I get Ed to do it. And um, our central vision is home. It's this idea, first and foremost, that home is God, is that the whole of humanity is, is restless in search for something. And we believe that is in God. The whole of humanity is looking and searching for God. That is 
our hearts are restless until we find him. And so everything that we do in terms of priority of his presence, of God's word, of the Bible, of prayer, of worship, this is why we've put all these things front and center, all these things to connect us with God. And of course, out of that, God never wants us to be followers of him in isolation, is that Christianity is to be worked out in the context of community. All the, uh, the, the epistles are written to the corporate bodies, never just individuals. And so we believe this is best worked out in the context of community, of being the church. And our, our church is just such a great place for belonging and friendship. And that's what our world needs. The epidemic of loneliness is rife in our culture. And so if you can't sense and know that you're loved and you belong inside God's house, then where else are you going to get it? And so first and foremost, we're a family. I know churches are often being run as businesses. And of course, um, structure and the business side of things are really important. But it's not the main and plain. We're a family. We're a hospital. We're an army. We're a school. We're all these things. This is what we do. We do it in church, and we want to say, you belong here. Welcome home. And then, of course, we want to reach Hull and beyond. We want to create rooms, which is everything that we do in terms of mission and compassion and mercy, is we want to create rooms in our city and beyond so that people can meet God and they can find a place to belong. And so we're pressing on all three of those pedals all the time. Everything we're doing as a staff, as leaders, as a church, we're saying, hey, is this through the lens? Is this through the filter of home? Is this connecting people with God in their discipleship? Is this helping people find God as we reach out into our community? And is this helping people feel integrated and enveloped in the life of the church? And we did this not only because God told us about it, and told us to do it. But um, yeah, I just think it's something that anybody can grasp. There's so many vision statements and so much the church can often do and mission statements that actually we don't know what we're doing. We are like those people blindfolded and pointing in different directions. And so this is really clear. And we, we, we feel like the, that this can be, if we just look at the next slide, you see this tension in the Bible, really, of how the church should look, but it's really all these three things is worked out in terms of our relationship with God, so our relationship with each other, and in terms of the Great Commission. So up, in, and out, or Christ, community, to the next slide, and culture. So these are the three things that we are pressing on, and so we're building a home for Hull. Now, one of the great advantages of taking a break, which Joni and I did, is, is you get to see familiar things with fresh eyes. And so uh, we spent the last three weeks um, with staff, with leaders, just really enjoying uh, being back and even just being part of our Sunday service has been absolutely stunning. Re-entering the room of our church community with the huge benefit of being rested, with seeing things from a different perspective, getting off the, the treadmill, as it were, of church pastoral life, and watching the culture of our church. And 
all I can say is, wow. I, you know, often vision talks are like, okay, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, but, but it's not. As we've come in and see things from, as it were, the outside in with fresh eyes, is what God is doing here is incredible. It is amazing. And there is no doubt about it that God is at work in our community. And at every point, we are just stunned hearing so many stories. And so we're not trying to kind of peddle things. We're just trying to catch up with what God is doing. We're trying to provide a little bit of maybe structure to facilitate the growth that we're experiencing. We're playing catch up most days, responding to what God is doing rather than kickstarting things. This is the season we're in as a church, which is a good season to be in. Stories of people coming to faith, people being set free, of people being healed, of people being there comforting one another in their crisis, the restoration of lives, new people coming, prodigals returning, the diversity of people representing the kingdom, miraculous provision, partnerships, kingdom surprises, ministries growing and being created, hunger and expectation. When we came back a few weeks ago for our first Sunday, what we commented on, you could just sense that there was hunger and thirst and an expectation in the atmosphere, an increase in his presence, growth in numbers and finances, growth in leaders, creativity, multiplication. There is every reason, despite the chaos of the world, whole vineyard church to be full of hope right now. Full of hope. And I know things are difficult. We've had our difficulties Your feelings and your internal story narrative may tell you something different, but there is every reason to be full of hope with what God is doing among us right now. I believe we're on the verge of something significant. Let me just give you a couple more graphs. I could get used to this. Um, This is often the kind of the curvature of of a church and its lifespan in terms of the different seasons of of growth and non-growth. And so often maybe a launch or transition or whatever, momentum growth, strategic growth, sustained health, and then, but often churches can get into maintenance mode, management, preservation, kind of, and then life support, which is, we we don't want to go there, just, just to tell you. (laughs) But what's really encouraging, guys, and if I had like a laser pen, I would say we're in the right in between momentum growth and strategic growth. That's where we are. We have kind of divine, organic momentum, and therefore some of the things that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks is strategic growth to help us propel us into a place of sustained health. And then we'll go the next slide, please. And uh, if you could just do the whole thing, that would be great. And then when you get to sustained health, it's really important that you don't stop because so many churches stagnate at that point. So when you're pioneering and creating, it's really important. What a lot of people do is they go to churches, they go through innovate, breakthrough peak, breakthrough, and then they stagnate. Well, you've got to continue going back to innovation and breakthrough so that you don't stagnate as a church, which is why we, we push on the pedal regularly on innovation, pioneering, of creating new entry points for the life of the church and our community. And so what I want to say, guys, is that this is really encouraging. And I think it's important at the outset of these three weeks, and if you hear nothing else today, just hear this, 
from Joni and I, we want to say a huge thank you. Because you guys are the heroes of the church. You make this stuff happen. You make this stuff happen. So many of you giving of your time, giving of your gifts and your money in sacrificial ways. It is stunning to watch. So I want to say thank you to every one of you who serve our home, who look after our home in terms of the culture, in terms of the people, in terms of the aesthetics and the building, cleaning the building, work on the grounds, who serve our kids. You know, I took our daughter to the wrong group this morning. I mean, they're telling me, you know, your daughter needs to be in here, and her shoes are in that bucket, and I don't know which print-off to give to anyone. Anyway, so serve on our kids. It's incredible. Our youth, compassion ministries, car park, AV, cafe, our leaders, our staff, our trustees, everyone, we want to say huge thanks. Give a round of applause to every single one of you. I've always led from a point of view where I ask the question, would I as the pastor join this church? It's a dangerous question to ask. But I think it's really important that we ask that question and, and the answer is absolutely, every day we encounter things which makes this church so beautiful. The vision of home in the last couple of years has worked its way into the fabric, into the DNA, into the culture of our church. You can feel it, you can sense it. Most weeks I will have an email or I'll have someone say to me or someone on our team, say, I felt like I was really at home here. And that's so important. So it's, it's getting into the DNA, into the fabric, into the culture of us as a church. Of course, every single leader, every single church in their vision, we, we all want to see more people come to faith. We all want to be more holy. We all want disciples to be made. And, and so often we can feel better just talking about it, but it just creates often a church which is like a virtual reality church. But we are, you know, I'm looking for substance is this being worked out in the culture and the life of our church? And the last couple of years, uh, as we have kind of propelled this vision, facing the difficulties that we have, the vision of home is becoming fast a culture of home. Let me give you an example, just to, uh, and we're going to unpack stories and examples and ministries in the next couple of weeks. But I could give many, many examples, but one of them is to stay and play. You know, we have over 70 been coming to stay and play on a Wednesday, moms and dads and caregivers with their children. And I remember when we, when we talked about rebranding and relaunching and doing some things that are different a couple of years ago, I said, we will end up in the auditorium. Do you realize that? And it, it'll be a nightmare for setting up and setting down, but we'll start there. And we've gone from one room to two rooms to now. This week, we had loads of kids' stuff in the cafe. And, and kids and parents stay in the cafe. And then we did the, the cafe um, refurb, and that was for many things. But one of the reasons we did it is to connect the dots of ministries like that. So the idea is, is that when they come out, is they can stay around for a cup of coffee, for some food. They can chat. We can pray for people. We can chat. Uh, we can invite people to Alphas, all sorts of different things. And so what I love about that is the culture of home is being experienced on a Wednesday morning, just even through the practicalities and the aesthetics of our building. So it wasn't just about, hey, let's invest in a, a nice new cafe just 
because we've got a nice new cafe. We're not interested in that. It's because it is meeting a need and it is communicating that, hey, the church wants to serve our community. We want to wash the feet of our community. And so I just love that's one of many examples of where that vision is becoming culture. And so I want to really just say thank you to to God for his goodness and grace and, and, and thank you to you for standing firm and advancing the kingdom. We really feel, for Joni and I, that um, when we took on the church, uh, I, I, you know, we just get to stand on the shoulder of giants, really, and all that's gone before in terms of the legacy and the DNA and the values of this church community. But we always we talked about uh, transitioning the church through uh, a process of evolution, not revolution. We didn't want to come in and just change everything overnight. And we said that in our year three, which is, we're in year three now, is that that's when maybe we'd step things up another level. And so really the last couple of years we've been taking our time, we've been patient with various things, we've withheld from many things, trying to take an evolutionary process with the vision and the culture of the church and where we're going. But we really have sensed over uh, the last few months with our sabbatical is that there's no shift in the timetable. We now feel that year three is an appropriate time to take things to another level. And that will, of course, mean change for the sake of strategic growth. And so we must always expect things. Churches that stay stagnant cease from being movements and become museums. And it's really important because that's happened to many, many movements over the years that we do not do that. Our city needs us not to do that. We may feel like we need to do that, but our city needs us to become what we need to become in order to reach the city. And so our focus of the vision is very much going to be this idea, if you just have the next slide up, of building a home for Hull. As we want to, and we're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks, extend things and expand things where we're reaching more and more people in this city and beyond. And one of the uh, thing, reasons I absolutely love our prayer meetings is God speaks. Uh, I get a lot of my sermons from our Monday night prayer meetings. And so uh, one of the pictures I had on Monday was a picture of a compass. You know, for those who remember maths, do you remember that? Does that bring back horrible memories for some of you? I was having a panic attack looking at that. And, um, and it's this idea of, I don't know what it's called, I should have looked it up, the pointy thing. Any maths, PhD people in it? As the sense is, 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 as we stay rooted and focused and fixed on building a home for Hull, is that God will begin to draw out circles of influence. Some of them small, some of them large, in our city and in our community. And so it's really important that we're constantly thinking... What is God saying to us, of course, personally, but as corporately about building a home for Hull and how that is reaching people? In January 2020, God gave me the worst vision talk ever, which was don't make any plans, according to James chapter 4. And I thought, I'm not saying that. And then uh, yeah, COVID hit, so it's kind of good we didn't have too many plans. March 2020, God said, build a home for the city, and we've been doing that and working towards that. March 2021, God said it'll be a season of wounding. 
And I think we could definitely say the last year has real been a season of wounding. And in March, where we are now, what God might be saying is, go on, go on, make my day, as it were. Build a home for Hull. And I see God doing 10 things among us, and I'm going to be unpacking these more with Josh tonight. Uh, but I just want to share my heart a little bit on these 10 things really quickly, and then we're going to do some ministry. That I, f- I sense God is speaking to us prophetically that will kind of undergird all of this that I've been talking about. And so here are just 10 things I just want to go through. First of all, is that we're a people who will be marked by compassion and power. And I think one of the uh, passages of the Bible the Lord's had me in for a few months now is in Luke chapter 4. Jesus is baptized in water and baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then he is led by the Spirit to meet Satan in the wilderness. (laughs) And after that, 40 days and 40 nights, he returns in the power of the Spirit to begin his ministry. And that ministry is marked by compassion and power. And I believe what the church has gone through is a season of being led by the Spirit into places of hiddenness and obscurity and wilderness and testing, where he has been, quite frankly, full-on warfare for many of us. And yet the result of that, the result of that is that he's led us to a place of where he is marking us with continued compassion and power. Really since maybe a year ago, he's marking us with increased level of compassion, and we've seen that outworked in some of our ministries, but I believe there's a return of God's presence and power, and when that is, mar- when we're ma- when that is matched together, it's incredible what God can do through the church. I think the second thing is that what will mark us as a church is authenticity over relevancy. I think the big thing for churches and church leaders over the last couple of decades has been the church that is relevant. And I hold relevancy in terms of being able to connect with culture very, very, very highly. Uh, There's too many irrelevant churches. And we need to stay relevant in how we do things in terms of our language, in terms of connecting with a post-Christian culture of which we're in exile. And so relevancy is really important, but I don't believe it's the new thing God is doing. I believe the new thing God is doing is in the place of pain. It's messy. It's not a downloadable experience that you can get on YouTube or on a, da- on a podcast, but this is authentic church made up of real people, real mess, real pain, real stories, leaders who model transparency and authenticity, They're trying to hide behind stuff. It's not about titles. It's not about control. It is built on trust and the removal of any kind of toxic culture of which appears in many churches. People need to sense and experience and encounter Jesus authentically. The the young people are interested, as you may think, in the latest worship music or how good a preach is, they're more interested in saying, hey, is that a real Christian where Jesus has made a difference in who I can follow? And that's what our generation needs. So we're looking for authenticity. I think thirdly, it has to be fueled by prayer. And I keep coming back again and again to Acts chapter four. 
you know, Peter had been imprisoned and persecuted. And then what I love is they come and they, the first thing they do is gather the church to pray. And they're all in one accord and then they see the place shaken by the Holy Spirit. Anything God is going to do historically, now and in the future, will be built on a culture of prayer. And again, that's the difference between vision of prayer and culture where we talk about, yeah, of course, we're Christians, we're supposed to pray, but we're going to create a 24-7 prayer room. And so I'm hearing like, you know, last week or the week before, you know, some, some people were in there for like five hours praying, interceding. And I'm like, this is how we're going to really see a move of God in our context and our community is that when it's fueled by prayer. And so we need a culture of prayer. I love hearing about young people who are organizing off their own back evenings of prayer. We're going to say no to Netflix, no to cinema, no to whatever, and we're going to get on our knees and intercede for the church and our community. That is what it's all about. And so we expect to see an increase of prayer. It's an expression of our dependence. Fourthly, the cost of multiplication is a, and this is something that's been really pushed on in terms of the movement uh, as, as, a, as a vineyard, but we really sense that we need to um, be leading on that in terms of multiplication. And so this is the nature of the kingdom. You give away. You give away your best and you give away and you sow those seeds of multiplication in order to reach more people. And so we will look at many of these things in terms of multi-site, in terms of church planting, in terms of leaders, in terms of home groups. Uh, I, I really love to see groups in every single suburb of Hull and beyond in the region. So there's a presence in all of these places. So there's going to be a cost of multiplication of giving away. Fifthly, the new over the old. I really believe that many churches and movements are facing this. It's so easy in chaotic times, and I get this, to go back to the place where it feels safe and secure. Maybe it's old moves of God. Maybe it's nostalgia. All these things, I get that. That's a very real emotional reaction to what is going on. But I believe we've always got to lean into the new. What is the new wine? What is the new wine scheme? What is God saying? I think that's one of the been, I think Rick Warren said that about the vineyard. He said one of the gifts that God has given to the vineyard is to ask the question, what is the Holy Spirit saying today? Not what he was saying five years ago or ten years ago. What is he saying today? And so let's go after that with everything that we have. Number six, I think there's a returning and a restoring. I haven't got time to go into this, but I will do about prodigals. And we talked about last year, Hosea 6, where there was a call to return to God. But I believe in that God is now returning to us. Because that's the way it always goes. You draw near to God and he will draw near to us. And in that, there's a restoring. And that's why we're going to be focusing in May a lot on emotional uh, well-being and mental well-being for the life of a disciple because there's a lot of wounding from this last season and so there needs to be a place of restoration but it comes from a returning of God's presence. Number seven, as I read in that end time passage, faithfulness, standing firm is success. Just read the whole book of Revelation and it just comes up time and time again. Those who stand firm, who do this for the long haul, who are faithful to the end. That is success for a Christian. And that's why I really admire 
when I see people who haven't got it all together, who are really struggling, they just turn up. And that is the greatest encouragement to us as a church community. And a lot of people face pain, and like, let's run away into isolation, let's retreat. We can't do that. We need to lean in and stick together. Partnership, number eight. I think God is doing something with partnership with many uh, people in the city, but also with churches. I've never known a grace like it on church leaders getting together right now in unity, and it's a special thing, and we want to continue to lean into that. It's a season of pioneering. I've mentioned that before, but we're going to be leaning into more things to catalyze and to pioneer in order to reach Hull and to build a home for And finally, a healing of wounds. I've kind of alluded to this, but I really believe that as we enter into this next season, whatever God wants to do among us, we need to embrace the Holy Spirit bringing healing to wounds that we may have. And so uh, we're, Josh and I will unpack more of that tonight around the table as we, as we have a conversation. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.